0: the beginning with God a God connection and God determined to have a connection with us not just contact with us and so that placed his image in our lives the second thing we looked at we found in our connection to God we dealt with our imposter syndrome do you remember the imposter syndrome as we discovered a connection in Christ it brings us a real identity uh, a loving vulnerability makes our lives into his image So we progressed it. And the third thing we looked at, we found in that connection with Christ, our story matters to God, and that increases our vision and purpose. So when our story becomes his story, we grow in influence and opportunity for kingdom. And the fourth thing we learned, we learned that connection to Christ gives us a conversation. Ordinary people connecting to an extraordinary God. The loving, giving God of good news connects us to a loving, giving lifestyle of good news sharing. So they're the things we've looked at so far. Was it all right, Neil? Yeah. Neil said to me, I've got to recap. I have recapped. <laughs> so today, number five, connection to God is a living experience. And because it's, it's, it's kind of a bank holiday weekend and some of you have come, yay! That's so all <laughs> for We need to be a little bit more interactive, so I want you to get involved today. So those of you that can write can take part. So if you're hard of hearing but can write... You can still communicate good news. You're never living that down. <laughs> what are we learning through all of this? First of all, I want to begin by talking about experts. Am I on? Oh, an expert set this up for me. It was me. It was me. I am an expert. Who believes in experts? I believe in Experts. Except more recently, experts have been a little bit challenging, haven't they? They've been a little bit wayward. They've not quite been on the ball. Look at the elections recently. I want to read you some expert analysis. Because what I want to say to you this morning is, I'm not an expert. I'm not required to be an expert. I'm required to belong to the Lord. So this is not about experts. So I just... I love experts, but I do want to read you some research, genuine research. The British Psychological Society realized these astonishing findings. People on diets get increasingly miserable as the weeks pass. This is especially so if they're failing to reach their weight loss goal. I would not have worked that out. I am glad somebody spent money on research to establish that truth. The Birkbeck College, it's a serious one, this one, they found that second-generation migrants to Britain are suffering more stress than their counterparts in their country of origin. They also um, think there is more conflict in the families living here than those back there. The The research demonstrates it is because of cultural change from their original setting. I think I could have worked that one out as well. But they've researched it. The next one, people whose teenage obsessions with film or pop stars continues into their adulthood, uh, their adult life, may be at risk of psychological stress and personal disappointment if they don't achieve fame. We know this because some psychologists did extensive research on 163 people. (laughs) That's real. Northampton College, phone them up. This one is very important to me. Research by experts suggests that mice given more space, more toys, and more food develop better than mice kept in poor cages with no toys and less food. In other words, middle class mice do better than deprived mice. You do kind of wonder who decided, who puts in for a grant, a research grant, to establish what makes a mouse happy or unhappy. And I've got to tell you, if I put one in a dirty cage and one in a posh cage with toys, with lots of food, I know which mouse is going to be happy and thrive. These same experts, it seems, and people like me with opinions. Anybody ever, ever had an opinion? Raise your hand now. Some of you have never had an opinion about anything? Wow, and you're living in Barnsley. That's impressive. Anybody living in Barnsley has an opinion about everything. There are focus groups. There are psychologists. There are graphologists. I discovered graphology. Have you ever come across graphology? I didn't know what graphology was. But, boy, they lines and things, lines and pictures and circles. See, instantly, Sarah Davy knew what graphology was. Because if anybody was a graphologist, it's Sarah Davy. <laughs> They tell us about voting patterns, or they try, they try to predict our behavior. They try to tell us what our behavior should be. They try to manipulate or manage our behavior. They try to predict what we will do in the future and how we will think and how we will respond to certain situations. And that's kind of fine, isn't it? But sometimes I don't know how, I'm, how, how I am going to respond to situations. I don't know how I'm going to feel. Have you ever done that thing where you see something on TV and you think, if I were in that situation, this is what I'd do. Until you're faced with that situation. Read you so, something from Psalms. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I'll be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction, and you the anguish of my soul. You've not given me into the hands of the enemy, but, of my, but I've set my feet in a spacious place. See, the writer of this psalm was looking for authentic real life. Not for research, not for products, not for somebody telling him how it will be or how he should react or anything like that. He's just looking for an authentic experience of the Lord. Today, I believe people are looking for an authentic connection to God. They want an authentic relationship. They want authentic friendship They want authentic communication. They want to know that they matter. They want other people to matter to them. They don't want to be a product to be bought or sold. They want to be long. I like to lecture people. I like to tell people how it should be. I like to think I know how it should be. But what value is that? What value is there in my being right if I don't have a relationship? You see... I can be right about everything, but if I only have broken relationship and can't connect with people, then what good is my right to anybody? First of all, I need a connection. And in this psalm, we discover that God is building a connection. God matters, and we matter enormously to God. And we don't have to worship anything else, we don't have to do anything else, but first of all, he brings us into an open space where we can grow and discover and learn, where we can experience him in our lives. And that's enormously important, isn't it? That's what we want to be about, authentic living. Let me read you some more verses. I hope you can see, yeah, they're big enough, those. Um, Philippians chapter 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's enormous, isn't it? Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness if you just think on those verses that isn't just about technical knowledge that isn't just about a lecture that is about an experience of a life in Christ and it's an experience of living that life in Christ together It's talking about the way we need to be. It's talking about the impression that we have. It's talking about the way we perceive one another. It's talking about the way we engage with one another. We see that Jesus always knew the truth, that we need to see and experience truth. You see, that is talking about Jesus who didn't need to arrive here on lectures and say, I am God, but he came and lived our experience. He came and engaged with our experience. And that is the most profound and beautiful thing imaginable. He engaged with our experience. We need to start learning something from that because we need to be Christ like. So, what does that mean? If He engages with our experience and we need to be Christ like, what must we do? Engage with, other Engage with other people. Engage with that experience. It's about a truth demonstrated and lived, not lectured. I love that God doesn't sit up on high pronouncing, but actually gets involved. He gets involved. He demonstrates the truth. Jesus actually doesn't say, This is the truth. He comes and lives the truth. And he actually says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, Look, th- what you are seeing, what you are experiencing, this is truth. That's, I just, that is amazing. But it has implications for us because we have to imitate Christ. We're called to be like Christ, which means we need to be able to say, What you are seeing is Christ. Anybody feel confident in that right now at this moment? And yet, that's why Jesus made a connection with humanity. Right back to the, 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 in the beginnings, his attitude and heart were for authentic relationship, for connection, for giving us an experience of him, for walking in the truth with him, not just being lectured. You see, you can read a technical manual, if you're like me, I will read a technical manual. I'm fairly practical. But the truth is, you know when you really learn to do something, do you know how you really learn to do it? You get your hands on it. You you can read a book all day long. And I've got to tell you, I I did an apprenticeship, and I did all these kinds of things as a kid. And we did all these months in, in college, learning how to do stuff. And then one day they gave me a toolbox. And I didn't have a clue. I had passed every exam. I knew how to do everything technically. But you know what? Until you're sat in front of it, until the broken appliance isn't on a workbench in front of you in a a nice heated room, but it's underneath a bench and you've got to lay on your back and it's leaking and it's broken and it's old and you've still got to fix it and you've never seen one before, then you learn. You experience it. It's true of life, isn't it? You see, we can hide ourselves away and we can read novels and books and how-tos. We can live somewhere safe. And we can read travel books. But unless you've traveled, you've never seen it. I have seen the most astonishing photographs of the most beautiful places. But there are one or two places in the world that I've visited. When I stand there, it has a different experience. And when I see the photograph of those same places, it reminds me... But it isn't the same as the experience. It reminds me that I'm not having the experience. I've been looking at places of a a place I dearly love this year and I'm not going this year. And every time I look at this picture, I'm reminded that I won't have that experience. But in Jesus, every time we read his living word, we get to experience him. Every time we walk together, we get to experience Him. You know, Every time we agree with one another, every time we walk in unity together, you know what happens? We experience Jesus. That's a connection to have. See, he didn't just say God can make a difference. Jesus came and showed and demonstrated it. We have a wonderfully creative God. A wonderfully creative God that stepped in creatively and touched lives, that used parables to tell us stories that healed people to give an example, that loved people, that trusted people, that walked with people, that forgave people, that encouraged people, that taught people and released people. That's the kind of Jesus that we have. He's creative. That God connection should free us from criticizing and judging and open the door to a creative living in God's image because our God is massively creative. Do you know that? He's just at heart. Everything he does is creative and fresh and new. Scripture actually says, see, I'm doing a new thing. He can't help himself. He's just creative. He is creative. And so we need to be people that walk in that kind of image. So we are just creative. You know, there should be no such thing in a Christian life as I'm stuck in a rut. I'm stuck in a rut. How can I be stuck in a rut? I've got the most creative God in the world. So I think God wants to break us out of ruts. God wants to break us out of traps. God wants to lift us out of the thing that we think we're trapped in and say, I have so much more. There is so much more creativity for you. There's something so much more exciting. And that creativity can be the way we speak to people. That creativity can be the hobbies that we have, the things that we do, the way we have relationships, the way we work, our attitudes, our demeanor, how we run a church service, what the building looks like, how we decorate it, how we communicate, how we do friendship. God is a creative God of the new. And he gives us that experience. Our God connection will communicate the God we really worship. Do you know that? What are we really worshiping? What is the creativity coming out? What fruit are we bearing? Because that tells us about the God that we worship we are instinctively in the image of Christ we are created we do reproduce we do multiply but what are we multiplying what are we reproducing what is the experience we're creating around us because what we worship will determine the fruit that we bear that's why the Bible says you can spot us by the fruit we bear look at these verses by their fruit you will recognize them Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. That is enormous. You could write books on that, but think about the enormousness of that statement. By your fruit... By our fruit together, people will know, people will know who we worship, who we belong to, that we're His disciples. So what does my life look like walking with you? What does your life look like walking with me? Because depending on what it is, that's people's impression of who the Lord is. You know so when they see me and Julie, they concert I me and Julie, me and Julie, we row. Oh, and we love to do it in public we are at each other's throats all the time all the time yeah, Megan's nodding enthusiastically she knows Robert's, Robert's weeping down here he's grown up with it marriage course so, we, so we're going to do the marriage course and rescue our marriage aren't we Jules we're going to have to do it three times we're only doing it with one couple we're going to do it with another couple and we're doing the mass one as well so Julie and I are going to need to do it three times just to get oh, apparently we do need to do it Julie, saying you are going to need to the marriage course And so people see our marriage and know that we're a couple that row all the time and can't bear each other and think to themselves, wow, if that's marriage, I don't want it. I hope they don't see that in you and me. I've learned to be good, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) I am in so much trouble. I saw I'm doing the marriage course by myself. Look, the way we respond to one another, the way we forgive one another, (laughs) the way we bear with one another, the way we support one another, the way we step in, the way we don't just point the finger and criticize, but step in and serve and help and love anyway. That is a picture of Christ. What if Christ had arrived on earth, walked amongst us and said, oh my days, look at him, look at Peter, look at Judas, look at Andrew, look at Thomas, look at, oh my days, Lord, get me out of here. What if that had been the nature of our God? But he didn't. He walked with them. He walked with them in the weakness. He walked with people in their failure. He walked with them in their successes. And when they had amazing success, do you know what he did? He said, look at how amazing God is. Yeah. And when they had terrible disasters, you know what he did? He said, look how amazing our God is. And when things were just average, he said, look how amazing our God is. And that is so important. No matter what we say, no matter what our qualifications, no matter what our historical expertise, no matter what our knowing, no matter what we think our status is, something bigger matters. What is the fruit I bear? What is the experience people have around me? What is the experience people have around me? How am I making people feel? How am I making people feel? When you have a conversation with somebody, how does that person feel when they're moved on? Are they lifted? Are they crushed? Are they excited? Are they loved? Are they wanted? Are they divided? Are they broken? Are they hurt? What might it be? because that is the impression of Christ that we'll be given we multiply and we reproduce we are fruitful so what are we reproducing we all reproduce something what we are is what we reproduce so I need to be more like Christ I'm reproducing more of him I need that to give people that kind of experience here's what it can look like when we have a God connection we don't tell people God makes a difference we can show them in our lives your lives can show them who Christ is isn't that brilliant We don't have to stand on a street corner lecturing people saying, take my tract, take my tract. It'll tell you the truth. We can say, hey, this is my life. I want to tell you what Jesus has done. Wow, it's amazing. For life is hard or easy, Jesus can still be seen in who we are and the fruit we bear. You know, if you're facing the most wonderful, great experiences, we can say, wow, is now God good. And if you're facing the most challenging, difficult, crushing experiences and personal situations, we can still say, but our Lord is still good. I will praise him in all circumstances. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So Jesus places hope into our lives. Jesus places open to our lives to transform the lives around us. You're part of this plan to make those lives better by being God's version of you. So even in a difficult place, who we are, we can live as God's version of us. So when you're struggling selling your house, you can live in God's version of who you're called to be. When there's illness in your family, you can live in God's version of who God has called you to be. When there's success in a promotion at work, you are living God's version of who you're called to be. When there's unemployment and challenge, you are living God's version of who you're called to be. Because then people have an experience of a living God when they're around you. It's not about having a job or no job, or status or no status, or a house or no house, or sickness or no sickness. It's about walking through all those experiences in the presence of the Lord, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be His witnesses. And you are now going to finish this sermon off for me. Is that all right? This is interactive. For the deaf people amongst us that need to be kinetic (laughs) learners, here is a board with a question mark, with an exclamation mark, and a tick. Is there a posh name for a tick? A check? Oh, that's like, oh no, that is very American. I mean, my experience of you is good, but I don't think God's into that. (laughs) I think God calls it a tick. (laughs) Well, look, we're all on a journey. The Americans are on a journey. They still say the word check. Eventually, they'll say tick. (laughs) Question mark, exclamation mark, tick. Just doesn't sound as... Anyway, so what what I want you to do, I'll be thinking about this right now, because I'm going to stand in silence while you do something for me. This question mark is, before I was a Christian, Right, come and give me one word, write one word on there in block capital so we can read it, not fill in the entire paper. Okay? Come and write one word on there that describes you before you were a Christian. Before you were a Christian. Your question place. Then the exclamation mark. Come and write on there one word that describes you when you became a Christian. When you became a Christian. One word. And then come and write next to the tick. One word about life now, after you become a Christian. One word. It might be the only one to put one word in one of you. You might not have three words yet, but see if you can. So I'm going to step back while you're thinking. and There's a pen here. I'll take the top off of it for you. And what you can do, you can come and write one word that describes your before a Christian, when you got saved, and life now. Would anybody prepare to do that? Come on, be brave. Be interactive. Come on, Gary, mate, you've broken your arm. Just watch what words they are. Just watch the words people put down here. If it's tiny, I'll tell you what they've written, if I can read it. Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> I finished is they folks. Come on. We're getting into a cathartic counseling situation up here now. Wow, we're all going to read that one, Linda. <laughs> all right, here we go, last couple then. excellent thank you very much everybody so so often people think to themselves I've got no experience to share with anybody who am I I've got nothing to say I'm a nobody how can I witness to anybody how can I say anything whatsoever what is the experience I had how can I share Jesus I am nobody I'm not eloquent Um, I can't do this I can't do that and then people come and write on this board ordinary people from around this congregation they write things like this confused and then they're right confused again when they became a Christian and now they're right, good. I've got to tell you, never a word was spoken. Confused, confused, good is about right for him. <laughs> but isn't it good to know him in God? And isn't it great to love him and see what God's doing in his life and continues to do? So he has something to share. He has an experience to live. And then we've got things like, um, I, I don't know who wrote which way, so I'm just going to, Dead. Non-believer, sad, directionless, selfish, empty, lost, broken. These are, these are, these are things that people here in this room. I'm not telling you this is what people feel outside. I'm simply saying to you, these are the things that people in this room have written about the way they felt before they became Christians. And then they wrote words like this when they discovered Jesus. Confused. Amazed. Alive. Pregnant. Happy. <laughs> Strug, strug, <laughs> strug, <laughs> confusing, struggling, humbled. See, so you see, there, there's a journey. It's not all suddenly perfect and fixed. There's a journey. I just, I just like asking that's about to get married, written expectant on the board, Gary, don't I? I feel a word from the Lord. Um, so you see, there's a journey. Meeting Jesus, it's not all fixed. You couldn't have, I, couldn't have, I didn't set this up, I promise you. But look, there's still confusion. There's amazement. There's alive, there's pregnant, there's happy. But they're still struggling. They're still humbled. They're still confused. But we've found Jesus. Something is changing. We're on a discipleship road and journey. And then people write things like this. They're living the Christian life now. They put things like good, expectant, anything, contented, at peace, purposeful, loved, full, peaceful, reborn. That's a discipleship journey. That's the experience of a Christian life. Church, we're all living a Christian life. We get to live that in front of our friends and family, in front of our work colleagues, in front of their neighbors, in front of the the guy across the street cutting his grass, in front of the woman in the corner shop serving me. Whoever it might be, we get to live that experience and to walk it. And the most amazing thing is, I need to remember the questions. Because when I'm talking with that person, I get to remember they're confused, dead, non-believers, sad, directionless. I get to remember the emptiness and brokenness. They might not be prepared to use those words, but when you discover who Jesus is, you, you start to realize what you were before him. And then when we discover Jesus, we begin to share that moment. Well, when I found Jesus, this amazing thing happened. Totally confused by the size of God and what all of this means. But here's what I've discovered. There's something real. It's an experience that is undeniable. And then as we mature and we grow and we walk in that discipleship and we discover the truth, we learn more about the Lord, begin to walk in that and to share that and to live that. So our experience grows. And the experience that people have near us grows as they see us becoming Christ like. So you know that time when you fell down and you got it wrong and you weren't the best Christian in the world and everybody saw? Has anybody had that experience? But all your non Christian friends get to see you not being very Christian. Wow, some of you are so holy. The rest of us who are normal and that God loves, we get it wrong. But here's the journey people get to see our confused, they get to see our challenges, but they get to see that we are expectant, and that God is good, and that we're recovering, and that no matter what happens in our lives, no matter how we fall down, here's the truth, one of the greatest and most powerful testimonies we can have is to be the prodigal that returns to the Lord. So rather than saying, but I messed it up, I can never be a witness again, Your most powerful witness of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God is to give other people the experience of you returning to the Lord. So rather than being ashamed of what's gone off, receive forgiveness and walk back into the presence of God in front of all those people that saw you mess up and they will know that we have a gracious, loving God, that you are confident in trusting and that you can walk back into the arms of a church, his family, that love you. John 13 says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So I love you when you mess up. Not just when you win in, I love you when you mess up. Because that is the demonstration of real love. And that is a powerful witness that people can experience. That's the living, the connection we have with God, the Father. Through Jesus and powered by his Holy Spirit. That's a community that is healthy and will multiply and reproduce and grow. That is a community that will give people an experience of who Jesus is. Can I invite the band back to to the one man band thing, please <laughs> just needs a mic one of those like what, mouth organ around his neck now. Tambourine on his knees. I just want you to think on these words for a minute. Think on the people that, more importantly than the words have been written there, think on the people that came up and stood there. Maybe this morning, I don't know everybody in this room, maybe you're a visitor to us and you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you haven't worked this one through. Maybe you're trying to jump all the way from there to there. But there's a journey called discipleship. There's a journey that lasts our entire life of discovering this. And we get to experience this together. We get to walk it together. We get to ask the tough questions together. We get to encourage one another together. We get to stir one another up. We get to bless one another. We get to experience life in Christ And we get to share that experience. And we get to give unbelievers an experience of who Jesus can be in us. That's a privilege, isn't it? So I hope this sermon has been gentle enough for you. I didn't want to to shout or create. But it's simply to say to you, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And what I love this morning is that people have the confidence to come and write their experience on a piece of paper. That takes trust. It takes love of a body. And so I'm going to pray. The band are going to lead us in a closing song of worship. We'll go and do teas and coffees. We'll get to chat to you share your information if you want today you can sign your forms and sign up for all sorts of things but most important let's remember that in our experience of Christ we get to share an experience of Christ with others and so Father just as a group of very ordinary people this morning why don't we stand if you're capable if you, if you physically can if you want to why don't you stand it's not compulsory if you're deaf you can stay seated <laughs> You know what? It's something I want to pray for. Dead seriously while I'm making fun. Wouldn't it be great while I'm speaking or envies are speaking to have somebody signing? Wouldn't that be great? To have somebody signing on stage? Somebody translating that? Pray for that. Would church, would you pray for that? That we've got a church full of people that we're signing? Would you pray that we have people that are actually whispering to other people's ears other languages? Because there are people from other nations and nationalities here that don't speak English well enough yet. Wouldn't that be amazing to be growing like that? To give those people an experience of being loved so they can communicate and catch the heart of the Lord. So we'd have a signer on one side, we'd have people speaking other languages on another. How amazing would that be? That we could have something audio for people that have got sight issues. How amazing would that be as a church? Let's pray for those things to be birthed amongst this community. Lord, this morning we're a group of ordinary people with successes and failures. People that get it wrong, people that get it right. People that make mistakes, people that win. But most of all, Lord, we are people that belong to you. We are people loved by you. And so, Lord, we don't want to be people that judge or condemn. We don't want people that point a finger. We want to be people that love the way that you love. That we would love one another so that people would know that we're your disciples. Because at that moment we'll be giving people an experience of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we pray now that as we worship, as we sing, as we close this time, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would touch our lives, touch our hearts, touch our minds, touch who we are, change this character so that it becomes more like Christ. Help us to bear with one another, but help us to love one another. Help us to become a more powerful witness as we share our lives in our communities. Lord, we pray that any experience we have in here, will be an experience of Christ so that we are learning to be sent out to share an experience of Christ with others. Not to look good, not to feel good, but to lift up the name of Jesus. Because you're our Lord and our Savior and we want you to be glorified in our town. So Lord, we pray that we will be people of experience that give an experience of the love of Christ. Amen worship together.
1: In faithfulness, I will rest. In your promises, my confidence is your faithfulness, and I will rest. A good God, haven't we? It's been very good this morning. It's been great to see you all. Um, just a reminder that we have no evening service this evening. Oh. Um, please hang around though. Now that's an excuse to spend more time together now to fellowship together and have
0: too much coffee and biscuits and and whatnot.